Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast, the Yamcast. Hey, we talk about everything you might need to know, occasionally some things you don't need to know, about how to fail forward in young adult ministry. With these monthly podcasts, we discuss culture topics, interview guests and friends, cover books, and riff on anything else that we feel like is relevant. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from the Boise, Idaho area, where I'm the Young Adult Volunteer Director with my local church the district young adult coordinator, and I work full-time remotely as the young adult connection pastor with Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. And hey, I'm just down the road in Cincinnati, Ohio. My name is Chris Bean. I am the coordinator for Nazarene Campus Mission, which is an outreach to Nazarene to college and university students. And I also work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship as a church engagement catalyst, helping churches engage more with college and young adult ministry. And I'm Jeremy Height in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, where I serve as the college pastor at Trevecca Community Church on the campus of the Trevecca Nazarene University. And, and here, here we go. 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 Here we go. You're just getting back from a Honduran mission trip. Yes. How was that? I love everything about it. You've been um, many times. Yeah. So I think that was probably like my, I don't know, 25th time. Um, I was That's going not like, an exaggeration. You're not making up a number. No, 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 no. I was going, I've been going for like the last, I don't know, probably since 2010, 11, 12-ish. And we were going like twice a year wow. for a while. Um, so yeah, it's like second home to me. I, I would totally live there, but the Lord has not called me there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like love the people and I love the pastors. I love the leaders. I love how they're doing ministry and how they're like living out their faith, just all of it. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's one of the most special places, but this trip was really different for me because it was a medical mission trip. and. Obviously, I am not a medical anything. So um I I went because they were they were basically like going back to all the places where we had built churches and done ministry and and did medical clinics there. Um so well, they were doing medical clinics there. My sister is a nurse practitioner and we've been on a bunch of trips together, but never a medical one. Uh so when we had the opportunity, we we're like, yeah, let's do this together. And uh, I mean, it was like like a week before I was ready to leave. I was like, what the heck am I going to do? Like, I'm a pastor. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do on this trip. And I am deathly terrified of the dentist. Like, it's like my least favorite place to go. Really? And within day one, that was where I was helping. I was helping on the dental clinic, um, wh- like basically assisting this guy that was pulling teeth, like just extracting like a boss. It was crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I saw a lot of teeth pulled. Uh, I got the like little like needle things ready, you know, where they like give you like the Novocaine. Yeah. And I legit like pulled teeth in like the most remote places. Um, You're just getting back from a Honduran mission trip. Yes. How was that? I love everything about it. You've been um, many times. Yeah. So I think that was probably like my... I don't know, 25th time. Um, I was That's going not like, an exaggeration. You're not making up a number. No, 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 no. I was going, I've been going for like the last, I don't know, probably since 2010, 11, 12 ish. And we were going like twice a year wow. for a while. 
Um, so yeah, it's like second home to me. I, I would totally live there, but the Lord has not called me there. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like love the people and love the pastors. I love the leaders. I love how they're doing ministry and how they're like living out their faith, just all of it. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's one of the most special places, but this trip was really different for me because it was a medical mission trip. And obviously I am not a medical anything. So, um, I, I went because they were, they were basically like going back to all the places where we had built churches and done ministry and, and did medical clinics there. Um, so well, they were doing medical clinics there. My sister is a nurse practitioner and we've been on a bunch of trips together, but never a medical one. Uh, so when we had the opportunity, we we're like, yeah, let's do this together. And, uh, I mean, it was like, like a week before I was ready to leave. I was like, what the heck am I going to do? Like, I'm a pastor. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do on this trip. And I am deathly terrified of the dentist. Like, it's like my least favorite place to go. Really? And within day one, that was where I was helping. I was helping on the dental clinic. Um, what, like basically assisting this guy that was pulling teeth, like just extracting like a boss. It was crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I saw a lot of teeth pulled. Uh, I got the like little like needle things ready, you know, where they like give you like the Novocaine. Yeah. And I legit like pulled teeth in like the most remote places um, and, and flossed a bunch of kids teeth. Um, so yeah, that was like, I was like, all right, Lord, where are you going to put me? And it like, he put me in the place that I like, hated the most. And I loved it. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. But I will say like the best part of it was like, normally, like when we go, we'll have, it's like, it's a pretty big American team. And then we'll have, you know, Hondurans that will partner with us. But this particular trip was a super small American team. So I think there were like maybe eight to 10 of us um, Americans and then the rest were Hondurans and most of the Honduran like doctors and dentists were like under the age of 30. So I was like, I had no idea that that was how that was going to play out, mm. but it was basically like, I just did like hung out with young adults pretty much for the 10 days. Yeah. I think I was there 10 days. Um, and they were amazing people. So, I mean, it's like, that was just bonus. I had no idea that was what, that's what was going to happen, but that's how it played out. So that was just cool. So this was a, a mission trip with your church? No. So this was a mission trip with, like, typically I've gone with, this is why it was so unique. Typically I've, I've led teams from my church. So yeah. I've led adult teams. I've led youth group teams. Um, I've partnered with other churches and like, you know, we, like my dad and I have led some teams together. My sister and I have led some teams together, but this particular trip, the missionary that we've worked with all of these years, he's like retiring. And he invited my sister and I on this trip um, because he knew where he was going back to, to do the, do this medical brigade. And so we're like, yeah, we're going to go. Um, and, and we did that. So, mm. yeah, so it was a bunch of people. I mean, like I said, the team was small, but it was people from all over the U S and then the rest of them were like these just amazing Honduran leaders. So it was, it was cool. It was sweet. And how, and how many days have you been back? Well, I went at the end of like the end of June, beginning of July. I think I got back July 7th or 8th. Oh, okay. You've so, been back for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but did you guys go on vacation after that or did I see something about an anniversary yeah. or something? 
Yeah, we went on vacation. I mean, we've ha- we've been in and out all summer long. Yeah. I went to teen camp and served as like a campus pastor there. Um, I went on the mission trip like a few days later. We took three weeks of vacation um, as a family, just like doing stuff with my family and with Nate's family. Yeah. And then we're, this is like so crazy. Our life is crazy. My family and I are going to Ethiopia in like three weeks. Yeah, I saw that. That's all. And and uh, Baruch's. That's how you say his name, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Baruch's been raising funds for yeah. this trip by selling. Is it Italian sodas? Yes. Yes. Yeah. How's that going? How's the How's the fundraising and and how's the uh, the the uh, block hustle going? Okay. Well, so he's pretty much done. Um, but he raised in a couple weeks because people kept sending him like checks and Venmoing and like stopping by our house. He raised, his goal was $1,200 for his own plane ticket. And he raised enough for all four of our plane tickets. Wow. Yeah. So that's cool. Well, people believed in it and like, like connected with that at a heart level. It sounds like. Well, they put it on the CBS Philadelphia news. Like, you know what? I actually watched that news clip. When you put up the link, I actually watched the news clip of it. I thought this was awesome. Yeah. So a guy like two streets over, he came over and he's like part of this like bar club in Lansdale where we live. And he handed us a check for a thousand dollars. Wow. Like, for yeah, Italian like, sodas. Yeah. It's just crazy stuff that is happening in our, in our family's life. It's wild. It's just wild. So yeah, it's been an awesome summer. Like I cannot complain. I've loved everything about the summer. So you have just a, like a few weeks in here where it's like ministry life and then, and then you're off to Ethiopia for how many days or weeks well we're only there for like it's like four and a half days we have what that's not enough time to adjust to the time zone shift well okay originally when we scheduled this trip first of all the kids start school tomorrow like three weeks we're pulling them from from school um we're going a sunday to a sunday but it takes a whole day to get there i don't know what we were thinking we were trying to do what we could afford so getting the tickets when they were the cheapest we did the tickets when they were the cheapest. We like, if we were going to add on a couple of days, it was going to add on several hundred dollars per ticket. And so we were like, let's just go a week. But now hindsight, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like a whirlwind. Like it's just yeah. going to be nuts. So, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime. So yeah, but it's going to be it's, fast. This sounds like it. Yep. So what, you're a young adult pastor in, in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Yes. And it's, is it Lansdale Naz? Is that the name of the church? No, the, the church name is Emmanuel Church. Okay. Like we just like Emmanuel Church, but it is a Nazarene church. In between all of your vacations and global gallivanting, yeah. what does a normal weekly flow as a young adult pastor at Emmanuel Church in Lansdale, PA, look and feel mm. like? Well, okay. So my job is half young adult. Well, it's really, I don't know the percentage. It's part young adult pastor and part next gen pastor. So I actually- Which sounds like the same thing. It it almost like there's some churches where the next gen pastor is the young adult pastor. So it sounds like you've got young adults plus young marrieds plus anybody else they feel like lumping in there that probably has kids- Plus anything else that you, you're an associate pastor. You're a young adult associate pastor. Yeah. So, I mean, part of my job, the youth, we have a full-time youth pastor and a full-time children's director. 
So the next gen part of my, my job is those, those two directly report to me. So I like do a lot of meetings. Um, I meet with each of them and then like help oversee their ministries and like cast vision for family ministry. But then I also run the young adult ministry. Um, and so they're like, yeah, they're similar, but I feel like it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff. Um, the young adult portion of it, it was supposed to be 70, 30%, but I feel like it's more like 60, 40%, 60% next gen, 40% young adult. Okay. Um, so, you know, on like a week to week basis, like I'm meeting with like parents, I'm meeting with young adults. I'm meeting with, sometimes I meet with the youth pastor with teenagers. Uh, sometimes I do kids men stuff. It's like a, a range of all those things, but I'm like really pouring into the children's director or the youth pastor. And then I have a group of young adults that I'm pastoring too. So it, it it's like a wide variety. So my week, I don't know, my week's never the same um, just because of just trying to meet with people. But I do have some consistent meetings like as like a staffing from like a staffing perspective. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It's all over the place. But I can tell you what I do with the young adults. Yeah, let's hear it. Since it's a young adult podcast. Um, That's right. I like I am loving young adult ministry. Like I I just I feel like we're a little bit in like a sweet spot right now. Um, and so a typical like on a on a typical week, like we started, I feel like I stole this idea from you actually. We have a thing Sunday mornings in between the services. We call it space in between. Yeah. Um for two different reasons. It's like the space in between the two services, but it's also like our young adults are like in this in-between space. Uh, but we were just seeing a lot of young adults come in and out of our our ministry and our, our church, like the church ministry, but like they would come in on a Sunday and go right back out. And so actually that's the room I'm in right now, ironically, is where we kind of host this gathering and we just do free food and coffee. And it's a place for young adults to connect to young adults, which is why I think I stole that idea from you. Is that correct? Well, we have a thing called Connect at our church that's in between the services. I may have shared it with you. I don't know that you stole anything. It sounds like a great idea. I think you should, I think you shared it with me and it's booming. Like it's working cool. here. It's awesome. Uh, we kind of have this gigantic sign outside of the room. I did have to bounce the room for a while because all the food, like everybody was in there. Yeah. Um, but now it's legit like a connecting place for young adults, which is awesome. Um. And I'm like, I'm just like, I kind of stand at the door and look for other young adults or like, you know, to invite them into the space. There's no rhyme or reason to what we're doing in there. It's literally like people drop in and drop back out. There's no small group. There's nothing like that. Right. Um, but it's been awesome because as they're, as they've formed community, like it just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just like a really cool vibe. And so if somebody like asked for more young adult information or, you know, I meet somebody on a Sunday morning. I'm like, Hey, when you come back next week, drop in that space. You can't miss it. There's a huge sign outside of it. Smell the cinnamon, cinnamon buns. Like we make yeah. these cinnamon buns on a little waffle maker. Yeah. Um, people come in and it's, it's awesome. So that's every Sunday. And then we have a thing called story house, which is once a month. It's the fourth, fourth Thursday of the month. And it's like this gathering for young adults where we invite somebody to tell their story. Um, it actually came out of our Fuller, uh, our work with Fuller when we were part yeah. of their cohort. 
um, which I know we're discussing that book chapter. So um, that's like the people that come in and share their story. uh, They're some, sometimes it's young adults. Sometimes it's a lot of times it's older adults, but I ask them to share some story from their life that has to do with identity, belonging, or purpose, Mm. um, which are kind of like the themes that have come out of Fuller, which actually I think are also in this chapter. So maybe I'm spoiling and going ahead, but no, there's not spoiling anything. It's foreshadowing. Okay. Foreshadowing. So then we like, it's like a coffee house vibe. The person shares their story and then we break up into small groups and we talk about elements from their story. And that's been awesome. I love it. Uh, like I said, it's only once a month. So it's like, you know, not crazy programming, but people show up and they invite people and it's pretty great. And then the third thing we do is called open door and that's young adult led. And it's just this totally, that's the second Thursday of the month. Um, it's totally stripped down like prayer and worship. Uh, no, like nobody's amped up. It's a completely different vibe than our Sunday morning worship experience. Um, but some young adults lead it and, you know, sometimes it's polished and sometimes, or most of the time it's not like if you're coming for this amazing worship experience, like that's not the thing to come to, but it's, um, I don't know, it's like authentic and it's people seeking after God's heart. And like, I love being there and I love that it's young adult led. So I just show up and support them. So yeah, that's kind of like, those are the main things we're doing. Um, so like in a given week, like if those things are going on, I'm prepping for some of those things, like just getting spaces ready and questions ready and making sure everybody has what they need, like that kind of thing. So that's part of my job too. So you kind of gave an overview of what young adult ministry life and flow looks like. That's exciting. It's encouraging to me. Um, something that we've been doing over this last year is it's not the, you said it was called story house. Yeah. We've been doing, we do a lunch once a month. We didn't over the summer doesn't really work, but over the school year and semester, we do, yep. a, we host a lunch and I have senior adult small groups. I have a broker in the church and then she yeah. lines up the senior adults and then they do all the food prep and provide the food. It's no cost because I have zero budget as a volunteer young adult coordinator at my church. Yeah, um, that's a I mean, I have, we have some budget, but we really have to kind of meter it out. And, and so these, these senior adults cover that, but I'm still trying to find the rhythm between like young adults will come to it, but you don't know how many they're like, okay, how many should we prepare food for? And I'm like, uh, uh 20 to 30. They're like, yeah. really? Like how, how many exactly? I'm like, I, well, there's 15 of you in your small group plus 20 to 30 young adults. So yeah. they're like, well, how many can you get them to respond to an RSVP? I'm like, we've created an RSVP. We will ask them to respond to that. Um, there will be three and we may have five or we may have 50. Yeah. So isn't young adult ministry awesome that way? It is, that is, that is a hundred percent true. What you're describing is the same thing we like. Yeah. We experience that on a daily basis. And I think, you know, I think what's been, I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but like, like in the beginning, I think I would take offense to like people not signing up or like people not showing up. We're not being able to plan or prepare, but like now I'm just like, whoever shows up, it's great. Like, because every single time we do something, it's a different, like we have a core group of people that will show up. Like, I would say like, there's probably 10 to 12 people that show up to everything, but then it's like, 
each month, these things that we're doing, like different groups show up to them all the time. Like we just, our story house that was on um, Thursday night, like I had invited these two girls to it that I invite to everything. And sometimes they'll say, oh, you know, maybe we'll like, I don't know if we can come or we've got something going on. And then finally they were like, they came. I probably asked them every time for the last like 12 months. Um, And so we had several new people there Thursday night. And it's just like, it's just hard to prep for that. And I think if you can kind of, that's just the food they're going to get. I don't know. I mean, it's, they're so non-committal, like it's just non-committal. So yeah, keeping the, keeping the options open kind of wait and see who else is going to be there. And it's, it's what people, they always ask that who, who else is going to be there, whoever you bring with you. Cause oh I, I, I really can't vouch for anybody else. And it's no going to be good. If it's just you and you know, you know, three of us, we're going to have a great time together. So you should, you yep. should be there. Something else I'm trying. And, and I mean, it's kind of a stutter start with this, but I volunteered our local youth group. Well, our, our church's youth group and yep. my son, he just, he's start our youngest is just starting his senior year. And, you know, I, I enjoy youth ministry. It's my first calling. I feel pretty at home in it. I also feel kind of old in it. I feel like I'm old to the youth workers. I feel like I'm old to the youth. I don't care about that because I know as a youth worker, like you need the older people. Um, 100%. Now, how you leverage them and use them or if you do or not, that's kind of up to whoever's kind of leading. But just that presence and being around and and experience it's there's people there but they also they don't need me they don't need me yeah so the youth pastor and i kind of co-conspire in young adult ministry stuff together like he i he facilitates it underneath the youth ministry kind of umbrella of the church um as far as where it's structured and reporting lines and whatnot and so i just said hey you know what this fall how about i just start doing like an open invitation Wednesday night, young adults, anybody that wants to stop by between 6.30 and 8, I'm going to be here for youth group anyway. But if one or two young adults show up, then I have conversation with them. Maybe we'll go to a coffee shop. Maybe what I'm really wanting to do, and no, none of them know this, and none of them are going to listen to this. So I'm just going to tell you, but there's this park that's like a mile and a half away from our church property. And it's a really big park in the uh, Boise area. It's called Kleiner Park. It's behind this place called The Village. It's like an outdoor style, kind of like California mall type thing. Have oh, you ever yeah. been to Nampa? No. Okay. I need leadership, to come. leadership conference for NYI is going to be here in March at oh. NNU. And they're doing a young adult emphasis. So just something to think about. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but awesome. there is this paved like prayer labyrinth that's in this park and i don't think people really understand what it is and there's this big there's this big um uh, sculpture in the middle of it that has kind of like some lights that at night you can see it and there's it's lit up in the middle and i'm waiting for the right wednesday night when we have a group of like five to ten and i go hey and um i want to take you guys for an experience tonight let's load up and just follow me we're going to go over to kleiner park and go over there and then just kind of give a brief kind of setup of, hey, this is a this is a labyrinth. We're going to use this as a prayer experience tonight. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes to get to the center if you walk really slow and then walk out again. And then we're just going to reflect on what that experience was like. So I'm trying to set up, I'm trying to like have these experiences in my pocket for these Wednesday yep. nights. They kind of focus on mind, body, spirit, and relationships. 
that's a theme that I'm not throwing out there or publishing, but it's kind of like I'm trying to go in a rhythm of. Yeah. Also understanding that I want this to become a rhythm, a part of our church body that young adults know that they can come and find community with each other on Wednesdays and they can just show up and see who's there. And if nobody's there that they want to hang out with, sadly, or that they can only pop in for 10 minutes, they could still be with their, it's on the way from work to, you know, home or whatever they're doing next. And so they can just stop in, see who's there, say hi real quick, have a quick community and then bounce out. So I'm trying to see if Wednesdays can kind of be that, but the next one tonight, this week we have a block party with our church, which is really cool, like out on our back lawn. Um, And then I'm out of town. And so the next one we'll possibly do is the second week of September, but I'm hoping to do that Labyrinth Week thing the second and week of September. Like how how often did you say you're going to do it? Well, every Wednesday that I'm every that Wednesday. I'm that I'm that, well, I want to I wanted to get a staff. I'm the training wheels for it, is the way I see it. Yeah. And so I'm going to be there, and whoever shows up, I've done it once, and two dudes shown up showed up, and I've known them since before they were in youth group. I was both of their youth pastors probably at some point along the way, um, when they were younger one of them for sure. And um, one of the guys just, he talked the whole time about his aviation classes that he's in and how work's going and he's traveling stuff. And the other dude, we talked about work and then the the one guy left and the youth group came in and it got really noisy. And I'm like, let's just go walk around the property a little bit. And we took three laps around the church property. It was just me and this dude just walking together. I'm like, this is the type of ministry I really like, you know, ministry at three miles per hour, right? Yep. That's yeah. awesome. And so That's I'm trying so to do, cool. I'm trying to do things that are like, if there's two perfect. Yeah. yeah, 20, yeah. Awesome. Yep. Well, that's kind of like, that was kind of my, my philosophy too coming into my job. Like I had really, because I didn't have a ton of experience outside of like college ministry. Um, and which I think is totally different. I think college campus ministry is totally different. Um, but like when I came in, I was like, I'm not going to come in with an agenda. I'm going to kind of like feel things out, get to know people. And then I just like, because prior to coming here, there was just one group of young adults that was meeting um, on Thursday nights, like regularly. And I kept that up for a little while. Prior um, to that, the the girl that was here, here before me, she kind of had broken them out into like different age categories and like was yeah. doing like three age categories I was like one I don't have the capacity to do that uh, not with doing this next gen stuff too um and then the more I thought about it the more I was like you know what I don't like people are just all over the place in their stages of life like it's not cookie cutter to just like say well if you're this age or you're in college and career yeah like it just doesn't it doesn't I don't think it works well at least doesn't work here well and so I was like you know what I'm gonna do blanket I'm gonna throw out blanket things for everybody and I'll try to give a variety of things so like like our open door ministry that's run run by these young adults it's definitely more for like you know people that are like I don't want to say solid in their faith but like definitely seeking after the heart of God like that's gonna that's gonna be who shows up to that they're your core yeah they're they're your core story house like I've created it like even in the questions that I ask I try not to do only faith-based questions because I want you to be able to like invite the guy or girl at work and say, Hey, we have this thing, this person's telling their story. And it's not just now some weeks it does wind up being somebody telling like their testimony, but it's supposed to be an element of your story. And so I think people can find each other in their stories. Um, And so it's a little bit more like any 
to that. And then the events that we're running, you know, like we, we just did this crazy event on Saturday night where we went to the thrift store and we picked out outfits and we put them on. And then we went to Olive Garden and all had dinner together. Oh, I saw it. Did you see my comment? Oh, about the, yeah, 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 yeah. About, yeah. I thought you guys look like the Flintstones. I thought you guys look like, like hipster Flintstones or something. Okay. I was wearing like a triple X, like romper and a hundred percent looked like Fred Flintstone. Like it was ridiculous. Well, and what Nate was wearing was like big and wide. It looked, it looked like, it looked like Barney or, you know, (laughs) the two of us were ridiculous. And then inside the restaurant, way too long of a story, but my husband loves to sing the doxology. And he can't sing. He like sings off tune and everyone knows it. And so he's like, guys, we need to pray before they bring the drinks out. And he's like, I think we should do the doxology. I was like, oh my gosh, we just like paraded in here in these like ridiculous outfits. We do not need to sing the doxology, but he did anyway. And then people in the restaurant clapped for him. And I was like, this is, this is I'm my totally life. stealing this idea. Go Well, thrifting was on my radar as one of these Wednesday night things. Cause there's a thrift store that's pretty close by too. It's a really big one in our area. And uh, going, awesome. going and getting the most ridiculous thing that you can find and then going someplace for some food. I love that idea. It was so fun. So fun. Super small group. Like there were only 10 of us, um, but it was super fun. And, you know, so we, like we've tried to throw out some ideas like that. Then we've done other stuff like we're going hiking. We've done pool parties. You know, we did pickleball and brunch. We're doing a trivia night. Like there's all sorts of different things. Right. It's like, I'm not looking for something that's going to be like this catch all because they're not all going to show up at the same time anyway. So, you know, I've kind of just thrown out that like one size fits all, like we've got to have this massive group of young adults all in the same place. I actually find when it's smaller, like, you know, Saturday night, it was way more tangible to like talk and, um, yeah, as much as like when I first came, I was like, I'm going to have this like, co- like this young adult service, because that's what I was doing at the college. And like the Lord hasn't opened up the doors for that yet. So, you know, I'm not sure that maybe that's going to be down the road somewhere. But I think having different things for different people, but not necessarily consistent all the time, every week things yeah. like, I think has been has been like, it's worked for us here. So Good. Would you send me your questions that you use for Storyhouse? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they differ every month. Um, So I don't ask for the storyteller to give me like their manuscript or anything. Some of them have. Uh, but I just say, hey, like, what's the general thing that you're talking about? Um, but I can, yeah, I can send you some of the questions. Um, uh, This past week was awesome. Questions wind up being like spiritual in nature, and then some of them aren't. Um you know, it's, it's like this past week, I was like, how does, how has faith played, played a part in you discovering your purpose? Like you understanding yeah. your purpose. Do you think you're living out your, like what you were made to do, you know, things like that. So, but I, I really love that. Um, the more people that show up to that, the better it is. So like this past week, I think there were like 26 and that was a bigger group for us for that. Um, and it just, you know, it makes like fuller, a fuller vibe. Like I like when there's a lot of people at that. So yeah, yeah, we don't ever, we don't ever to anything get like a massive group out. So, so that like that picture I saw of you guys and all of your your thrift clothes and everything, which that might have to be the picture that's the cover art for this episode of of uh, the Yamcast. Um, is you and Nate front and center with your thrift store? Uh, it's great. Yeah. Um, 
was that a mixed group of like college students and beyond college, like young adults and emerging adults? So, okay, this is interesting. We don't get a ton of college students to what we're doing right now. Hmm. Um, so if you were going to say, hey, Andrea, like, what's the thing that you need to work on? Um, I would say for us, now when the college students were home this summer, we would get a handful of them. But for the, our ministry right now is attracting like, I would say 24 to 30 range. Um, it's like upper 20s that are coming okay. to all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, they're sharp and they're fun and they are seeking after the Lord. And like, like several of them have transplanted here for jobs. Um, and so like they didn't have history or roots here. So it's not that like clickiness, you know, that sometimes you can get when you've all grown up together. Um, but our college students, like around here, finding the, the best way to say this around here, like a lot of our, a lot of our college age go away to colleges. Like we have a lot of colleges in the area within like, you know, a two, two hour radius when they're home. Some of those people will plug into it. The ones that go to community college that are local here, they don't plug into what we're doing nearly mm -hmm. as much. Um, are they a part of the church and like family that's at, at the church kind of like loosely, but they're yes. not, is, is what you're doing for them? Is it something that they could be a part of if they wanted to be? They could. I find the ones that have stayed home, who probably will not listen to this podcast, but I, I find the ones that stay home are some of the ones that really struggle with social anxiety. Yeah. And so for them to show up to something like is really hard. Hmm. So I've actually, I've actually had parents come to me that like, are like, well, like, is there any way that you can drop in at my house? Like they're this, like, I just had somebody ask me this recently, super sweet parent whose, whose son, um, you know, they've got one son that goes away to college and he will come to stuff if he's around. The other son is like just fresh out of, he's only been in college for a year. He goes locally here. Um, and she's like, you know, this group of college students, college age students, they come to my house every Thursday and they play Dungeons and Dragons and a yeah. bunch of board games and like it's lots kinda, of people playing D and D. Yeah. It's like a different vibe, but when they come into the space with other young adults, like in this other stuff, I think they feel overwhelmed um, or feel not connected. Some of it is that they were in youth group and some of their like young adult leaders in youth group are in this young adult group. And I think there's a disconnect there. Oh, okay. Um, so it takes a little bit more time. So I would say if there's anything, like if I were going to grade myself on how I am as a young adult pastor, I feel like I'm failing in that. <laughs> so, um, and developing. Just that, you're, you're developing. Okay. Thank you. That's such a yeah. positive way to look at it. Yeah. However, you're very, you're very I, forward, forward thinking. Yes. Okay. Yes. However, I do, I do feel like I do a good job connecting like individually and texting, checking in like that kind yeah. of thing. But in the large group, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's there yet. Um, there's definitely room for improvement and what's hard. And again, like, again, if I'm grading myself, um, I was in and out a lot this summer. And part of that is like the stage of life for my family. I have two young kids, eight and 10, um, you know, they're in school during the school year. So we take a lot of our vacation in the summer, yeah. um, you know, I went to teen camp because it gives me a chance to 
pour into teens still and to hang out with some of my young adults. Um, I went on a mission trip because I'm passionate about that. So I like, as far as like creating something myself for college students that are home outside of what we're already offering, I don't have the capacity to do it. Yeah. Um, and so looking, looking ahead for next summer, like that's definitely something that I would love to like recruit somebody to be in charge of. Um, because I wouldn't take back like how I just lived out my summer. I like, I feel like it was a really good, like well-rounded summer, but for consistency purposes of like creating something for only college students, I don't have, I don't have the capacity to do it with all of my other responsibilities. Yeah, um, I, and I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you should. I have personally noticed that it, it feels like college age, like that 18 to 21, 22 takes a little bit more in tension like there needs to be some structure there some loose structure of if if something's going to happen whereas in my context the the older young adults the the emerging adults the adults yep it's been about it's been about being a broker of relationship and once they're connected together they go do stuff together so i'm kind of looking at it going what what types of things can i facilitate where the older and younger uh, yeah. adults have some overlap. And that lunch has been the space that that's happened monthly. Because when we first started it, we were going, okay, let's do one for college age and let's do one for emerging adults. And then, and we, and we tried that and then the pandemic kind of hit. And then I was like, you know, uh, we don't know what's going to happen here. Let's do it all together. Because yeah. if we, if we think we're only going to have 10 and we're combining everybody and we have a senior adult group of 15, you know, a small group that's, 15 of them and they provide food for 25 people and 10 people show up. They yeah. kind of look at you like, why, why did you have us do this? And I always try to remind it because this is a ministry of presence and hospitality and it, yeah. whoever is here is who we're going to invest in. And you have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. You know? I so, so, so I, I, I think I'm trying to find where we have a lot of college students that kind of flow through because we're near a Nazarene school and we've yep. got young adults that are on, we've got college students that are on, you know, that are interning um, and like quasi on staff and they're bringing their friends and then they bring their friends and then other people just kind of check it out. So the Nazarene thing flows for us, but it's the schools around that that come in and then get the Nazarene. They, these people all go to school together and they kind of go, yeah, I'm not sure if this is for me. And that's been yep. a frustrating thing for me, but I've tried to celebrate that we do have college students and yep. we do have we do have older young adults that we do have beyond college students that are connected to each other and are doing stuff together. So where's I'm trying to find that space in between that, that liminal space in between college and young adult that are things that, that they'll all want to yeah. be a part of. And so I'm like, yep. meet, I'm inviting them to this middle activity kind of space, but I don't want to be, I'm not an activity director. I think of myself no. as a broker and a curator yeah. And if you want to be a part of that, great. And if you've got other things going on, awesome. But I'm going to have a great time. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I, I I, mean, I also feel like, yeah, I don't think my job is to provide like all of these like, like, like specialized little things, you know, like at the end of the day, they're also adults in the church. And so some of it That's is right. like take initiative. And so it's, and it's funny, I have had several parents, it's happened two or three times in the last I would say three to five months that have college age students that are like, well, could you do this special thing for my kid and, and for their group of friends? And I'm like, yeah, no, like as much as I want to do that, 
like they need to come at least try we've created some stuff that anybody could go up to it like it's not it's not focused on a life stage it's not focused on you've had to do this you know so many times like it it was created you know so that anybody could fit in there and so like I've had to just sort of release myself from like the expectations you know and and nobody's been rude about it I mean I guess that's the other thing is like they're just looking out for their kids nobody's been rude, but I've had to like release myself to say, I only can do so much. Um, now if they show up to those things and they feel uncomfortable or they can't find their place, then I would have a conversation like to say, Hey, like, what was it about that space? But a lot of them aren't willing to show up. Um, and I don't want to get into the pattern of catering to certain needs. Like, I just think that's like with young adults, like that's a dangerous road to go down because there's so many different needs. Um, yeah. So I like, I, I want them to try out what we're doing. And then like, after you've tried that out, then yeah, let's have a conversation about it. So I don't know. I don't know if that's even the right philosophy, but I'm also trying to figure out what is the right philosophy, you know, and I'm not sure yeah. there's like, I think, a right I think thing, so, you know, I think it's a healthy philosophy and, you know, if, if, if you want your, you know, individualized learning pastoral young adult plan parents, then let me let me offer you my my consulting menu that's on the side of my pastoring. If you if you would like for me to curate something for your particular yes. you know s- situation, then um, here here's those rates. Yeah, <laughs> not to completely commodify it, but it's it, it reminds me of of youth ministry conversations over the years where you know you have one kid that connects and it's like this uh-huh. is the best thing ever, and then you have another kid and the parents are like your, you know, your youth ministry is, is really yeah. unhealthy. And here's the reasons why. And you're like, wait, they went to the same youth group on the same yeah. night. How yep. did we have two different, it's because they're different, they're different people. And so I, I do live in this tension between, you know, what, what's attractional and what's, what's missional. But like you said before, they are, they're adults, some, but th- this adulting spectrum is stretched way out as we know, as we get into the fuller stuff here. Um, and I have to, I have to be reminded of that, but Andrea, I don't know if, if you have this experience and your reflection on coming into ministry, like you've been in ministry all your adult life. Yep. You went to school to be in ministry, married, got into ministry, we're married in ministry, we're on staffs at churches and stuff. And so while our experiences are, are, are very different, there's some similarities to them. And as a young adult myself, um, at the churches that I served at, I remember looking and going, you know, there isn't really college age or like young adult ministry stuff, Yep. but I'm not feeling a deficit here in my journey because I'm connecting with people because I'm part of a small group or because I'm, um, because I'm doing this and I'd have people come to me and go, well, where's the college ministry or where's the young adult ministry? And I'd be like, well, I'm the youth pastor. And those, here's opportunities that that they're adults and they could connect in these places. But I don't ever remember as a staff member myself that was a young adult going, we don't have a young adult ministry and I really feel bad about that and we need to start one up. It probably wasn't until uh, I'd been in ministry for about 10 years in the second church that I was a youth pastor at. And I was like, finally, they have a young adult college age ministry here and somebody else is running it. And that lasted about four years. And then that ministry like, dissolved because 
people started getting married and having babies and diff, getting different priorities and the core moved on and they 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 had created the ministry around um, a curated young adult worship experience that was different than the rest of the church. Yeah. And so for me, that was a like um, there were lessons to be learned there yeah. of of not that a worship service for young adults or college students is a bad thing, but if it is they the thing and what we're trying to do and we're not integrating them into the body life of the church, yeah, then then what are we doing and why exactly. are we doing it? You know, yeah. And so I so I guess I I kind of rabbit trailed five different directions there. But the specific question I'm asking you to reflect on right here is, and I kind of saw you like non-verbally responding, but as a young adult that was on staff at churches doing youth ministry as a youth pastor, did you ever go, oh, there's no young, there's no ministry for me? You know, I, I don't feel like I did. Um, I think the closest thing to that would be like when Nate and I, my, my husband, Nate and I, we, you know, started, I started as a youth pastor at 24 and the church that we were attending, there weren't a lot of people our age. So for us as like 20 somethings, like I kind of had to shift like a little bit of my expectations for myself and became friends with people 10 years older than me who turned yeah. out to be some of the best friends to date. I mean, like, right. honestly, some of the people I loved to do life with the most. Um, but I never was like, hey, we should start something for young adults. And nobody was coming to me asking for that. Like, I don't even remember really thinking about that other than for a friendship purpose for us. I do remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, who are we going to hang out with? Um, but it definitely wasn't from like a spiritual sense or like, hey, we need to start this ministry. Now, when I got to the, I mean, we were there for 12 years. So by the time I got to the next church, which was on the campus of a, of a college, um, you know, I was, I guess I was 36, 37. Um, and you know, I was around college students all the time. So naturally speaking, like you want to start a college ministry or do things for college students. But then you also had that like, but what about the young adults, I guess. But I didn't feel that for like, I didn't ever feel like I needed that as a young adult. I wasn't asking for some kind of ministry for myself. But I think there's a uniqueness to being on a staff with a church where you do have community and you are engaged in mission and you're doing these things and you're providing these really services. Yeah, call them services. That always bothers me. Like we're getting a royal change or something. Like, are you going to go to service? Exactly. To do what to get my tires air checked in my tires? I guess we kind of do that spiritually, don't we? Because I those things were being fulfilled for me, but they might not have been for somebody else. Yeah. But I think if that's the only way to do it, then we're probably doing it wrong because most churches aren't larger churches that have a pastor that's, you know, targeted towards every specific age. Um, right. But we have people of various generations that are part of the church, which is one of the really unique things of the church as an institution, just, you know, a part of society and communities that, that I think is awesome. And so that's why I'm trying to leverage the senior adults one, they'll pay for the food. Two, they'll provide it. Three, they're grandparents. So let's get some grandparents around young adults. Because I've always said that yeah. I think that grandparents, the right grandparents, but grandparents around young adults is secret sauce in young adult ministry. Like some cool magic just happens there. So thanks for reflecting on that with, with me yeah. for, for a little bit. I'm not trying to take away from anybody else's experience. 
No. It's just that not a, a deficit of college and young adult specific ministry in local churches that I was a part of wasn't something that was on my mind as a young adult because I was on a staff. Now, I am having conversations with various young adults that are on staffs at various different locations around USA Canada, and they very much feel the absence of having people their age and what that's like. And I don't know if it's an individual thing, maybe, and a generational thing, and a, a yeah. mixture of both, but have you seen those video? This is a little bit of culture corner stuff, but have you ever seen those videos or reels that like, where's Gen X? Who let Gen X off the hook? Like, mm. where are they at? And then the people are like, I'll, I'll tell you where Gen X is at. Don't mess with us because we'll kick your butt. Because this is what <laughs> we were doing when we were growing up and we didn't have these safety nets and we didn't, you know, yeah. we didn't have all, we didn't have these particular things we were dealing with. And so, yeah, don't, you, the reason you don't hear about Gen X because we're not complaining about stuff. Well, mm. that's not true. I complain about plenty of things, but because I care. It's because I care, Andrea. Yes, you did. Let me shift this into talking about young adult ministry now with with this preface of explain to me the history of your involvement with Fuller Youth Institute and what capacity that's been in with youth ministry and young adult ministry. Mostly with just young adult ministry. First of all, I, I love Fuller. I love what they do. I think they I think they do some of the best just research and work in youth ministry and young adult ministry. Um, but I didn't really get involved with them until I got up to Wallston. Church of the Nazarene up on the campus of Eastern Nazarene College. Hagerstown um, was a church you were at before, right? Yes. Hagerstown, Wallston, Lansdale. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. So Hagerstown for 12 years, uh, Wallston for almost six years, and now we've we've been here for almost two years. So Sweet. um yeah, Wallaston. So we got picked to be a part of a young adult cohort. Like they asked us to like submit. I think we had some connection with people at our church and prior stuff. And so I submitted our name and like why we wanted to be a part of it. And then we got picked to be a part of this. I wrote down the name of it so I wouldn't forget because we, we refer to it as Maya, um, but it's called Ministry Ends with Young Adults. Say, um, sorry, say, say that again because the video kind of cut out a little bit. The audio cut out. Ministry yeah. what with young adults? Minis ministry Innovations with Young Adults. Okay. So- we refer to it as Maya. Um, and basically Fuller was given this uh, like grant money to do this, I think five-year project where they worked with various churches and um, helped you to like, like understand young adult ministry. And so we got picked to be in the, in the cohort and it was like a year long cohort where we actually went out to Fuller um, there were four of us on a team. So it was the senior pastor, myself, and two young adults. The the first we did it twice. So that was the first round. Um, and they basically teach you like all these things that they've written in their books, they teach you about it. Um, and then they give you money to go back and create a like an experiment with young adults, like a project mm -hmm. that you carry over like a course of, I think it was like six to nine months. And then you report back. So I went out to California for like three days with the team, the, the team of four, they paid for everything. And we learned under like, you know, some of their best, best like leaders, Steve Argue, Kara Powell, like with like 20 or 30 other churches that also had teams of four. Um, and each team had to consist of two senior leaders and two young adult leaders. Mm. Like, 
you know, it was a, we were learning from young adults, like their yeah. experiences. Um, and so we did that project once and then we got invited to do it a second time. And so we did two different experiments over the course of two years, um, which actually story house that I just mentioned was our, um, I think our first experiment. Yeah, it was our first experiment. And so I just, when I took my job here, I waited a while and I was like, I'm going to try it out here and it's worked and it's been great here with our young adults. Um, our second experiment was like more of like a Sabbath space, like intergenerational hospitality thing. Um, and that was a whole different, like a whole different experiment um, where we partnered together a younger generation with an older generation and put them in teams to serve and create this like space um, for Sabbath, like on a Sunday morning. Uh, and that, that worked for a while. There were some really good things that came out of it, um, but it eventually fizzled out. So uh, yeah, it was two different projects and I I loved working with them because I, I think they like Fuller was really good about teaching us to listen to young adults and creating experiments and projects out of what we heard from them. Um, so I, I thought it was pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah, that's and kind so, of a nutshell. I mean, I could probably talk a whole podcast on that. But, but that was that was while you were in in Wollaston. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and do you feel like that's been foundational for you in 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 this move to being a young adult and next gen pastor at at, at this new church? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Because prior to that, like, I mean, like I said, I I did youth ministry for eighteen years. I mean, I was teaching youth ministry, I was involved in youth ministry. And I just think like young adult ministry and youth ministry, they are very, very different. Um, so I feel like some of what I learned from Fuller, I was able to take into my job here um, in just even how I approached starting out here. You know, I, I don't know if you feel that because you did youth ministry too, but I just think they operate really different. Um, and teenagers and young adults are different. And, you know, pro like program wise things look really different um and so i think yeah my experience with fuller especially when it comes to actually i think some of this chapter that we're going to discuss like i i think so much of young adult ministry is based off of you listening to where they're at versus like you just studying a bunch of stuff size fits all like hey here's what you need to be doing like fuller taught me and my team how to listen to young adults and not just create something we thought was good but like think about our context and think about what they were saying and really like let them shape what you're doing which is how i've tried to approach my job here i said earlier that you can't curate ministry for every single individual young adult but i do think and have experienced that young adult ministry is much more curated than than youth ministry is. However, you and I have also had a conversation. I don't think it's on the record. I think it was just a, you and I talking on the phone one time, not contradicting what you just said. Mm -hmm. That's not my intent, but it's going to sound like it. Youth ministry and young adult ministry are, are a lot more similar maybe today than they've ever been. And and the reasoning behind that for me is that because adolescence is beginning earlier and lasting longer um, because of things that have happened in a generation um, like a pandemic mm -hmm. um, where maturity developmentally, yes. there's, there's, um, 
there's things that are taking longer to engage in some ways for some young adults than others. There's more anxiety. There's more um, uh, social um, lack of, of social engagement or drive yeah. with that. Um, there's less practical experience in life, but expectation to do big things yeah. um, that they expect of themselves or other people expect of them. And also this timeline that Fuller brings up and we've talked about in previous chapters, or if you've read their Young Adult Ministry Now yeah. ebook, where it's like, you think it goes, you know, graduation, college, job, marriage, kids, you know, career, retirement. And it doesn't look anything like that. It actually looks a lot different. The truth is it's always looked a lot different for a lot of different people. And it's not always been this linear kind of progression that we sometimes slap a, a cookie cutter template on top of young adults and go, why aren't they fitting to this mold? Yeah. Not everybody's always fit that mold, but they've been the outliers. And I think the outliers have become more normalized as far as like, no, this is a roller coaster ride of young adult, of young adult ministry. But once upon a time, you and I had a conversation. I mean, to wag my finger at you. What am I doing? Yeah, we had no, a, I know exactly what you're we, talking about. We had a conversation where I said, look, we've been doing this for 20 years. Young adult ministry is a lot like youth ministry. And if I have that type of approach to it, not creating youth group 2.0, but yep. learning from youth ministry and applying those things to the issues that are presenting in the lives of college students and young adults, that helps me with my sanity instead of just wondering yeah. what is going on with this young adult and why does it feel like I'm talking to a teenager? I totally know what you're talking about. And I don't feel like you're wagging your finger or calling me out on what I just like previously said. I definitely- I actually did wag my finger though. And that's what I was apologizing for. You did wag your finger. I, I was like- rah, rah, rah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think, I mean, I think when it comes to, when it comes to like where young adults are at developmentally speaking, there are a lot of days and I don't know. I mean, I don't know who listens to this podcast. So if any of the young adults, listen, no to young that, adults do ain't no I, young adults. I, listen I don't to this. Offend any, but yeah, there's a lot of days where I'm like, you're just an older version of a teenager. Like, right. you're, like how you're living your life, what you're choosing to do with your life. Developmentally speaking, a lot of days it feels like youth ministry. I would say that. Um, not with all of them, but with a lot of them in the drama, in the conversations. Yeah, all of that part I would say is similar. What I think is different, and and maybe like, I don't know, maybe I was doing youth ministry wrong, who knows? But I feel like it was, like with youth ministry, it just always seemed like there was a program that like, you always had a program in place, right? Like, so there were always small groups. You had your big youth group meeting. You had events. Like, it was pretty routine you were doing as far as like the program piece of it. And I don't feel like that's routine for young adults. Um, And I think youth ministry across the board, while people are innovative and there's people trying new things, across the board, a lot of youth ministries are run very similar, no matter the context. Right. So there's, there's, a, there's some rhythms. There's some, there's some familiar rhythms. Yes. And I feel with young adult ministry, I don't feel like there's familiar rhythms. It's very but, contextual, very curated. Yes. And also I think it's, you know, I think it's, you're constantly thinking like, okay, who do you have now? What, who should, because there's the other piece. And I say this a lot, of, a lot of times I said with youth ministry, like, you know, a parent will come in and my first youth group, like we had a lot of kids in our youth group that were like, like it was outreach kids that like we were meeting like 
out in the parking lot. Like I like, and I, I thrive on that. I thrive on people outside of the church. Like that's definitely like something I'm passionate about. But at the end of the day, kids that were coming into youth group, they weren't just stumbling in there. Like either their parent was pushing them towards us saying, right. oh, I want my kid to be involved. Or a friend was inviting like, like one of their friends from school. You know, so when they got there, like, you know, that's how people were coming in. In in a young adult ministry right now, I mean, like, I, all the time, we have people, it, and it just blows my mind. I think it's so different. We have people that move to the area and are like, well, I'm just looking for community, like, and I saw your church online. So I yeah. came to check out young adults. Um, I'm, I don't know, I've been searching, like, in my faith. And, like, I just decided I was going to look up churches. And so I stumbled on that did not happen in youth ministry nearly as often. Right. Um, and so I think the context, and then there's also that like, well, I'm here for three years doing this job, but then I'm like going to go back to mm-hmm. Texas or, you know what? Like It's, it's very ep- episodic and seasonal and transition, so tra- transitory. Seasonal. Yeah. Much more, yeah. much, much more than a, we might have them for middle school or we might have them for high school unless their parents yes. move or you might have them for six or seven years yes. with young adults it might be like ah, it might just be a semester maybe yeah. yeah and I also feel like the average teen like you know if you get them involved in your like youth ministry is a it is very program programmatic like yeah whether we want it to be or not like that's you know i think that's what we expect as a church but it's um, relational if they if they come to the program and they connect relationally then they're yes. a part of it but they're a part of it because of the relationship not necessarily the program the program is just the is just the the vessel that the relationships are bouncing yes. around inside of yes and i would say for young adults they stick around when they feel engaged either relationally or in the life of the church and so right. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities, but I do think that the big difference is like, you don't have that necessarily stability for a chunk of time. Yeah. Like potentially speaking. So, so yeah, I, I think that's where it's different. I, I, I've got this analogy that's slowly like coalescing in, in, in my imagination. I want to, I want to try it on you here. It just thought of this while you were, while you were talking and as we we're kind of hanging off of each other, it's like, Youth ministry is like a really, it's like a lake and it's kind of enclosed and it's got some feeder streams to it, but there's seasons, there's seasons, the water kind of turns over. Sometimes it's a kid is like with their, you know, during the school year, they're with one parent and in the summer they're with this other parent. But when they're here in the summer, they're, they're, they're with your youth ministry and they're part of your youth group, you know? Um, and, and others it's, it's sports or it's whatever. So there's seasons in this lake, but it's pretty enclosed you kind of know what fish are in the lake. Um, some of them are on this part of the lake and some of them are on this part of the lake, but every once in a while we get together in the same dock and we do stuff together and you just kind of know what's there. It's more of an enclosed set system. Young adult ministry and college age ministry is more like beach combing. Every morning and every evening, I'm going to go take a walk and I don't know what I'm going to find on the beach. <laughs> Sometimes those things are pretty similar. The tide is ebbing and flowing and circulating and sometimes things go on a voyage and come back around again and sometimes they don't and i just i'm just gonna go and i'm just gonna be faithful to show up at a rhythm and Mm -hmm. and see what see what and who we're we're gonna find and who we're gonna journey with and and we'll take it from there yeah 
I that is, I, I think that's accurate. That's actually, I mean, I would never come up with that analogy or metaphor or whatever it is, but- I wouldn't by myself, but you, I, you listen, provoked yeah. this in me. Yeah, I think that's so true. I, I think that's so true. And I think like, I mean, honestly, I just, so I just met with somebody last week who's, role is going to shift from being a youth pastor. They, they've kind of done the same thing as, as me, only now they're shifting into just young adult ministry and next gen. So they're, they're getting out of youth ministry. Like their person is now going to be underneath of them and they're not going to be like in the mix. And I was just like, throw all your expectations out the window. Like just prep yourself, like set the expectations. I'm not saying set, set the expectations low, but like give yourself a lot of grace because it really is like exactly what you just described. You know, every day you, you don't know what you're going to get or, you know, like, I mean, when we just had story houses past Thursday, I'm like the people that showed up, like it, it creates a different vibe in the space every single time yeah. it will create a different vibe if different people show up. And so it's, it's actually kind of been freeing because I'm, I'm definitely like a planned person. Like I like to be planned out, but I'm not like a type A. So I'm not like overly planned, but I'm, I'm not always like a fly by the seat of your pants. And I think young adult ministry is teaching me like to be way more flexible and to just like, let go, like just let loose sometimes and let go. And I'm finding freedom in that because I think it sort of releases you from personal note. I feel way more relaxed and less stressed out in young adult ministry because there's such a flow rhythm, you know, and it, it's- Same. Like, I think I'm a better pastor in person because of that. Mm. Well, and there's a freedom in knowing that these people aren't minors. Right. Even if maybe they're presenting with some minor issues yep. on, on occasion. But they're they're not minors. They can do what they want to. They're adults. They're showing up because they want to, not because anybody else is making them. Yeah. They're choosing to be a part of things because they want to, not because somebody dropped them off and they can't get picked up until, you know, whenever. Exactly. They're, they want to be engaged in community. They want to grow in faith. They they have something that's driving them to be a part of whatever college slash young adult age um, community is, is forming. And they can do it if they want to or not do it. It's, it's both, to me, it's both the blessing and the curse of young adult ministry because now they're young adults. They're adults. They're, they're finally making decisions that they've been raised to do, which is their own decisions. And it, and if it's not to show up for the thing that I planned, then they're adults and that's okay. And so that's changed the way that I think about planning things yep. because like, where do I want to spend my time and effort? Do I want to spend it in relationship and being present or worried about how many people are we going to have there exactly. or how many people didn't we have there? Yeah. Um, and so there's, I'm sure there's different philosophies around that, but that's the way I kind of operate. I think whether you're paid or you're a volunteer or, or part-time, it's like, this is about presence. This yes. isn't about production. Nope. And I would, I would also say the other piece, and I think I learned this in the last, like probably last five years of youth ministry that I'm like practicing here is I also don't want to build a ministry around myself. Like, so part of what, what I, and I think you said this earlier, uh, like, I don't know, 15 minutes ago, um, you know, connecting people to people is, is part of our job. And so I don't feel like I need to be central in everything, re even relationally speaking. Like I've got a great relationship with, I think all the young adults that are coming, 
there's some young adults that like, actually my husband and I, there's one young adult couple. The guy is on staff here at church with me full time. Him and his wife are, I don't know, they're 26. We get together with them for breakfast every Friday. Like they become, become friends to us. They are part of my ministry and he's a colleague. Um, but him and his wife, they're, they're like, we've just connected with them. And so there's some like that, uh, and some, you know, that aren't married couples that like, I've like some of the girls I've connected with and will, you know, text and check in with. And, and I, I feel like I have a good relationship with everybody, but I do not feel like I'm central to everything they're doing. So like a great example, last night we had, uh, we had a thing called the Holy ghost wiener roast that was at our church. It's a big outdoor worship service and we served hot dogs. I cooked like 330 hot dogs. It was ridiculous. Um, Amazing. And that was like, it was like an all church event, right? And because I was cooking the hot dogs, the young adults, like a whole group of them happened to sit over by my husband. And um, at the end, like they were all in this circle. And I like, it has been, I think it's beautiful. They've all become friends. This core group of people have become friends and they've come from, you know, half of them didn't even grow up here, but they're constantly like, I'm on their text group. They're constantly like going and playing basketball or they're going to see them see a movie or like they're getting together and they're inviting other people into it as people come into our group. But I don't do three quarters of, of like what, what they do. Like, like I said, I have two young kids at home. I'm running this next gen stuff. I'm doing the young adult stuff. Like I'm in a season where I'm also trying to be present with my family. And so yeah. It's just so cool. Like it's freeing. Yeah. I see them and I, and I say to them all the time, like I could have any of them over to my house. I, I think any of them could tell me anything that's going on or something they want prayed for. If they, you know, just the other day, somebody asked, asked me to get together with them about like to talk to them about dating advice because she doesn't really have anybody in her life that she can talk to about that. Um, not saying I'm the best person for that, but I do have a husband I love that I've been been married to for a long time. So and we're still dating our spouses. That must have done something right, right? Yeah. But like I just think that's so cool. Like I'm not in, and that is a difference with youth ministry too, is like there's so much like high relational stuff in youth ministry all the time. And you have to be present all the time again because it's minors and like, you know, you're I tried to work myself out of a job there by workers, but with young adult ministry, like, I just feel like, like, I think it's really important that they connect with each other. And like, that's just been cool to see. I don't know if that even makes sense, but yeah, no, it totally um, does. It totally does. Yeah. So like, I feel like I'm needed and wanted, but I don't feel like I, like it's some crutch to our young adults. Like, and that's, I just think that's like a beautiful thing. So it's, it's moving from being a um, facilitator to a curator. Yes. Yes. Yep. And that's awesome. So I think that's just, it really is. Cool. I think that they're very different in, in that way to agree with you. Yeah. Well, here on the Yamcast, we're continuing this conversation with the ebook Young Adult Ministry Now that Fuller Youth Institute has provided. Uh, for all of us that are engaged in young adult ministry out here. And I was a part of the training with our district and a, a lot of different churches on our district that, that they do this live training every year. And do you know Keegan Linker? Yes, love him. Yeah. So I love him. for the training I went to that- with him. Oh, did you really? Yeah, super random. Yeah. For the training that, that Fuller provided um, just globally in May, 
Keegan was actually assigned to our our district like remote group, and so we had Keegan kind of curating content Absolutely. for us, and who and he knew just a lot of us in the room and stuff. So we had we had a lot of fun with that. But today, you and I are talking about Chapter Three: Compassionate Young Adult Ministry in the Young Adult Ministry Now ebook. And I'm curious what parts of this chapter you felt like you connected to, resonated with, felt like were applicable, or you had questions about. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just think like the the theme in general of having empathy with young adults uh, and like really trying to hear and listen to them, I think is key. Um, that was that was actually like when we did our project with Fuller, that was that was one of the things that was like a game changer for us is just sitting and trying to understand where they're at without, I don't know, trying to like tell them where they need to be or give them advice. Like that was, it sounds silly, but that was like new for me and I had to learn how to do that. And so uh, I think one of the first, in like the beginning of the book, it says, uh, just because you were one, just because you were young once doesn't mean you understand uh, young people today. Right. I, and I think, I think if you can have that, like at the forefront of your head all the time, that's really important because our, our, like the older that we get, the quicker, and I would say just older generation in general will say, well, I was once young. I experienced those things. Um, and I think it's very different I think the experience is very different um, and you don't know what experience that person is having anyway. And so in order to like, just really like, I don't know, understand what's happening. You have to actively listen in that and not jump to conclusions, not make assumptions, not again, try to be like the advice giver, fixer person. Um, and just because you have years of experience in your life doesn't mean like you can necessarily like I don't know I guess fix things so I just feel like that piece which again was like straight up at the start of the chapter that piece is huge in us working with young adults in like understanding and knowing that so the opening yeah. story of the chapter is about a professor that talks about her journey teaching her class on emerging young adult uh, emerging young adults and then having a student from that class give her feedback and how hard that was to receive that because yeah. it's easy to fall into the I'm the one with experience I'm the expert I know what this is like I know what the statistics are I know what the studies are and then to have a student in the class that you're teaching go yeah when you said <laughs> this do you realize it could be heard this way um, yep. or yeah, I understand your perspective on that, but from my perspective, um, it didn't sound like you really understood, um, right. or, or do you really know what that means? Cause when you say it, you mean this, but when, when, when we say that we, we mean it a, a, a different way. Well, that's super funny. Cause our young adults talk about that. So, and you know, we've got, we have three guys on our staff that are on full-time at the church that are under the age of 30. And they talk all the time about like language that's used in sermons and stuff to say like, okay, you might not think that's a big deal, but like, this is how we hear that. Um, and and it, yeah, I think it's humbling. I think, I think it's, you have to really put yourself in a position of like humility to say, I like, you have something that I can learn from, you know, like 
even despite like the fact that you don't always have your life together, you're making crazy decisions at times, you're doing some stupid stuff, even like I can learn something from you. And I think that's like, again, like that's just, that's just like putting yourself in a place of humility that we don't, we don't have all the answers. Um, but that's hard to do. And I think especially when like, I would say, you know, my husband and I talk about this all the time. We, when we were young adults, like we got married fresh out of college. We went to seminary, like traveled halfway across the country, went to seminary, got, got full-time jobs. Like the trajectory of our life and everybody else's life around that time were very, very similar. And so like, I just can't even pretend to understand like what the, when I watch the young adults here, their life is so different than like how my life was at that point. So why would I pretend that like, I can like fix that in some way, like, or, or need to fix it. Is there something wrong with it that it needs fixed? It's actually just embracing and receiving their experience. Yes. And I think I will say from a church perspective, like the big church universal, you know, I think sometimes, and, and we've had these conversations even in our staff meetings, but I think sometimes even we're preaching in a way or putting stuff out there in a way that like, kind of like, um, like romanticizes, like how life should be according to like how it used to be. So like, if you're not married, you know, by the time you're 25, 30 years old, something's wrong with you. If you're not working a professional job, something's wrong with you. If you've had four jobs in the last like, you know, five years, something's wrong with you. And I just like, to me, like, I don't know. I think that we have to lean in more towards like meeting them where they're at again, versus this, like, we're trying to fix you because we have the right way. Like that's not this generation. And that's, that's not where people are. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I think, I don't know. I think the church to like, Really, I think one of the one of the things I wrote down a bunch of notes from the chapter, but, um, you know, oh, uh, empathy seeks to understand young adults' perspectives, not judge them. Yeah. Um, I think as young adult pastors, we're probably, hopefully, we're better at that because this is our job. Like this, this is what we've been hired to do. But I also think part of part of our job is like helping the church at large to understand what it means to come like come alongside of them. Right. Um, we have this where, advocacy role. Yeah. So even like, okay, a great example. I, I actually think young adults, I can't speak for all of them, but if every single time we see a young adult, that's like 25, 26, 27 years old. And we go to them and say, were well, you dating anybody yet? Are you serious with your boyfriend? Are you serious with your girlfriend? Oh, like when's the next step? And And I'm like, like I am at fault that like I have to learn to not ask those questions too, or, um, you know, asking the right questions, uh, and not just making assumptions. Like, I just think that, I think that adds to some of this anxiety that they feel of like, oh my gosh, I don't have my life all together because there's a certain trajectory, right? Like Pressure. you mentioned that earlier too, uh, like Fuller's in this book talks about that trajectory is not a trajectory. There's not like a follow these five steps and you've arrived in adulthood. Like, and so I think as the church, like as the community of like Jesus followers, if we could just meet young adults where they're at versus expect for them to be in some certain place, then. 
And that's the es essence of this invitation to empathy in, yes. in this in this chapter. And the pullout quote on page 43 here is people before programs, which we were talking about yes. earlier in our conversation. They said people before programs always. Yep. We have a program that whether we realize it or not, that's our default that we're projecting onto young adults and expecting them to follow. Yep. We have programming that we're following and then expecting other people. It's like software. And yes. and their their software that that their hardware is operating on, this the the programs that are that are activating are not the same programs that we have that our our software um uh, you know it's and I, I don't know that it's it's upgrade it's just like it's just a different type of programming and exactly. they're still becoming adults and they're still going to be okay and it's it's still going to be fine and they're going to have their 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 experiences but having empathy not to project our programming not even ministry programming but our like sociological psychological like life trajectory programming onto them and going just receiving them for who they are and where they're at and what's happening in their life and and that being a gift to receive not yeah. something that we need to like alter in some way so that it can be on course with the way that our lives looked exactly yep i agree with that and i i do think again like i think part of our job those of us working with young adults our job is to help the greater church at large understand that. Um, because I think, so if you read like fast forward to the end, uh, and I don't have the page numbers in front of me, but at the end, it talks about, uh, it lays out that young adult vignette, you know, with all yeah. of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that came out of our cohorts. That out of the cohorts. That, oh, that, wow. It, it so starts it on page 53 of the ebook. Yes. So that, that, that was actual like young adults, like responses as we, we were asked to sit down and ask a series of questions. And I just think even if, and I mean, it'd have to be, a, it'd have to really be on listening ears, but if the church at large could even just hear that to understand, I, I think it would give understanding of where some young adults are sitting in the midst of feeling like they don't have their, their act together, you know, and like how we could just come alongside of them to support them and meet them right where they're at. I, I think part of our job too, is to call, I mean, like, I don't think it's just about like listening. I think there is an element of like calling them to the person that God's created them to be like, to help them to understand like where they belong, what their purpose is, but not in a way that's like degrading or you haven't caught up with like where you're supposed to catch up to like, you know, like there's a fine line. Um, cause I feel like in some of the young adults that we, with some of the young adults we've worked with at some point in time, I think there's also some hard conversations we have to have to say, like, are you thinking about some of the decisions that you're currently making? You know, so it's not just like a do whatever you want, but like you, you can lean into the stuff that God has for you. And like the way that he's asking you to live your life, that doesn't necessarily have to mean with like, have to do with like getting married or, you know, one of those other nine marker mile markers. But I, I do think that like, we want to help call them into the best version of themselves that God's created them to be. So some of that comes out of conversations too, like hard conversations. I feel like, I don't, does that make sense? Yeah, totally does. So two of yeah. the, two of the barriers that they offer here in the chapter 
uh, to empathy with young adults is intergenerational speed and close closeness bias. Yep. We'll let we'll let the listeners if they're reading along or if they want to read into that kind of get more into the nitty gritty of the definition of those. But was there one of those that you connected with more as as something that you're working on or you're noticing in in young adults either intergenerational speed or closeness bias? Intergenerational speed, one hundred percent. You know, I, I mean, I'm about to turn forty four in a couple couple months or a month. Um, I think, like, probably it's it's funny because you were asking me before, prior to getting on this and talking like about looking at cultural things that I've been reading. Like, I've really felt this like starting this new school year, you know, new school year is always like a a fresh start. I feel like for me, um, just this need to be better at listening to podcast books, like trying to understand young adult culture, like giving more time in my schedule to even like, just listen and read because I feel like I am so all the time, like just catching up constantly catching up. Like I feel my age all the time. And I know I'm not like old, old, but I am middle age now. And isn't it great? Isn't it great? Is it great? I don't know. We're twice as old as the people that we're pastoring. Which is crazy. And literally, okay. I was just at something. This is, this will be a great example. Um, these two girls and I did this backyard boutique. They're young adults in my group. So we were like selling used clothes in my backyard. Long story. And I was talking about this woman that was coming and I was like, I was like, oh yeah. I was like, she totally looks our age, but she's more like, and as I started to say, I go, oh my gosh, she's my age and she looks your age. Like she's in her forties and I don't look your age. Like assuming like I'm a 20 something year old, which clearly I'm not, but that's who I'm hanging out with. And so, Yeah. yeah, I mean, just that that age gap it widens every day and for me you know like having empathy there are just some things in and I'm just gonna flat out say like part of my problem is like I'm a person and so when I see young adults like doing stuff that I'm like what are you doing like that's like why are you wasting time on that that's in my head that's what I'm saying I'm like okay that makes me feel old to say Mm -hmm. I don't understand stuff I see on reels. I don't understand stuff I see on TikTok. I don't understand like, what is the obsession with these stupid things? In my mind, they're stupid. But if I can take a step out and go, these matter for a reason to this generation, what is the reason? It's hard for me to put myself into that sometimes. Yeah. 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 And so then I'm like, well, who am I? I That's that's hard work. Having empathy can be really hard work because it's not the path of least resistance. I feel like you're good at it, honestly. And I I wonder sometimes if that's because, okay, so like I'm an older parent of a younger kid, you know, because we adopted late. Um, sometimes I wonder if I had like a teenager or a young adult, which actually a lot of people my age do have that like late teens to, to young adults. If I was immersed in that daily in my home, yeah would I, would I like catch up faster? So I think I have to work at it harder because my kids aren't there yet. Um, Maybe, let let, let me tell you my experience with that. My felt experience with that is this. I am so smart with other people's kids and I am a complete idiot with my own young adult children. 
that makes me feel better. And and not only do I feel that way, but um, they remind me, either overtly or covertly. Um, and it's like I can have all the empathy, all the patience, all the presence with other people's kids, and then it comes to my own kids, and it's like I don't know what I'm doing, and I've thrown all that out the window, and I just become this dad like rage machine of expectation and projection and what you know the freak is wrong with you you know and so interesting well it 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 i i would say it helps me maybe it does help me be more empathetic i'm i'm taken aback by your comment receive it and grateful for it by by your your compliment um but i'm just on the anvil all the time with a 23 year old an almost 21 year old and an almost 18 year old and my daughter was born she's our oldest she was born in 2000 and she's like a zillennial you know mm -hmm. she's like right at the cusp of being a, 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 a the latest you can be millennial and earliest i mean I, I think with fuller's numbers they would just put her squarely in gen z she's just on the early end of it um if you go 98 to to whenever for for gen z um, pretty soon we're going to be doing podcasts about alphas, which are your kids. Craziness. Crazy. I mean, they're sixth graders The I think the oldest alphas are sixth graders right now. Didn't, didn't you say you have a fourth and sixth grader? I have a third and fifth grader. Third, okay. So you're going to be teaching us, like I've grown up with these, you know, as a parent, I've grown up as a parent with these Gen Z kids, but been the youth pastor of, of mm -hmm. millennials. And then some Gen Z, um, but you're going to be parenting alphas and then what that's going to be like next, but that's not in this chapter. Well, um, yeah. but so back to the, back to like your kids versus like, you know, other people and the idea of like what we were just talking about. I, I think maybe part of that is because you feel, and, and I would guess parents feel this pressure. You feel that pressure for your kid or your young adult. Like you feel that pressure for them to have and to figure out what you had at that age, like in some, some regards. And so, I mean, that's why I think even like, I think we, like this whole chapter, like if we could help parents of young adults lean into this and like, yeah. it would, if they could really lean into it, it would give them permission to say, like, have a little bit more patience, practice the empathy, like yeah, totally. not alone in it. Like this what? is a thing so let, let me offer three practical handles here on parenting young adults and pastoring young adults for for me for my experience are you ready for this ready this is this powerful stuff right here okay mentors mm -hmm. spiritual director counseling those three things i'm engaged with yep. and processing um at different stages of the journey probably and, and journeyed with the spiritual director more um, than any of them in depth. My spiritual director has this panorama of my journey as a pastor and a parent yep. um, and a spouse. So, I mean, it, it take, it's a lot of hard work to reflect on these things. It's a lot of hard work. Um, one of the lists in this chapter that caught my attention was under the heading being the best neighbors means seeing young adults friends 
And so young adults are asking the question, how are you going to receive my friends? And you're okay with me, but what about my friends over here? Are you, are, 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 am I going to be, as a young adult, am I going to be able to invite them into community with my church family? And, you know, the, the whole foundation here, Andrea, for, for both of us is we're trying to point these people to Jesus. We're trying to, we, we want them to have an authentic, vibrant, transformational relationship with Jesus and for their friends to find that through them if they don't already have that or, or, or to grow in that. But I just wanted to list some of the topics here that they put in the chapter of things that young adults that we're in community with that, that, that their friends may, this may be a, a part of their life and journey, immigration, LGBTQ plus relationships. Um, these kids are dealing with school lockdowns and I mean, have you ever seen the bulletproof backpacks that are for sale for parents to get to, oh, i mean yeah. no you know sometimes i ask my son do you feel safe going to school and we live in a really pretty rural suburban area but they've had lockdowns and they've had threats and there's never been an issue at school but these kids are and, and young adults are processing that type of stuff that's what they've grown up through and where where they're at um another thing they put on here is national debt how pro-life or pro-choice, um, inju racial injustices and solidarity with, with their friends and community and culture, uh, healthcare issues. I mean, it's just a, a, a few of the things and people might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. These, these, these are political issues. No, these are real life issues. Right. Young adults are processing them maybe in a similar, maybe in a different way, maybe in a hybrid way than you may be processing them. Are you willing to engage and have conversations with young adults. And sometimes it's not about bringing it up, in my opinion. It's just when it does come up, are you going to project or are you going to listen, be right. empathetic, ask questions and receive what they're sharing, what their friends may be sharing? Because I wonder sometimes if if there's young adults that are going, I, I love my church. I'd really yeah. like to bring my friends to be a part of church community whether that's meeting in a restaurant or the thrift store or the park um and and maybe to a worship gathering but if i do what is that how are they going to be received and if they ask a question about something um what's that response going to be like i feel a responsibility as a parent and somebody that's a part of the body of christ to steward that well yeah oh yeah i yeah i feel like Oh, I feel like if the church can't get that one right in these next few years. I, I mean, that's gonna, it's just, it's gonna be detrimental. You know, I think if we can't have conversations about things that matter to our young people, you, it's exactly right. Like they're not gonna bring their friends in. I actually already think it's pretty hard for, there's already just a lot of walls and barriers up, um, which is why like I'm constantly thinking, is there a way to create a third space, you know, where, it's non-threatening and you could bring anybody to it and you could have these conversations, but the church has to step up to be able to talk about hard things. I think if we're not willing to do it, like our young people are going to walk away, yeah. um, you know, because you, you just named it. Like this is the, these aren't just hotbed issues that they care about. This is the world that they're living in. And it is a part of like the DNA of their world. So, you know, I, the church has to get that right. And I think I feel a lot of times, especially in this job, I mean, we I've been here almost two years. At my age, even on our staff, I fall right in the middle age-wise. And so 
you've got this younger generation of under 30, these young adults, and then I've got an older generation, you know, above 55. And I feel like I'm constantly like, you know, have one foot in one world and one foot in the other. And I'm trying to figure out how do you bridge the gap? Yeah. Um, it's an advocacy I, role again. Yeah. And I think it's part of the reason I'm here. Like, I definitely think it's part of the reason that God called me to this space. We've gotten to do some like some cool things on racism, cool things on the LGBT community, like, but it's, there's, there's pushback, there's questions, there's, we're not in that place yet where like, I don't think like a young adult, if they were bringing their friend into one of those conversations that I would just want anybody to be in there because our older generation and some of our younger generation hasn't learned how to talk, you know, in a grace-filled manner about things. And then there, there are some that have. So I think there's potential there, but I think if we can't, we can't keep avoiding it. We can't keep avoiding the conversation. Those things matter. And I think a lot of times I'm finding for young adults, they're, they're, again, they're not wanting solutions. They're not wanting you to, you know, create some program or structure. They just want to like sit at the table and talk about it. Yeah. And no people are. And, and can we live in the tension with them? Can exactly. we live in the tension with them? So something I, yes. something I, oh, go ahead. I was just to say, and can you, and can you disagree at a table and still yeah. come back to the table? We, we need that. It's one of my heart longings for our, our denomination as the Naz, as the Nazarene yeah. church. Same. Like we Same. need to be living, we need to be living the tension better at every single level of leadership with, within the church and having conversations where people don't feel like that their jobs are on the line if they voice a, 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 a differing, Yes. perspective yes. or or ask a question about something that lends itself to a different perspective maybe and maybe you're asking it for somebody else but we don't live in the tension well we need to be good examples of that and figuring out ways to do that i'm trying to i'm trying to live creatively and in, into that in some ways and and how to how to broach that but um something i picked up from some university leadership and training that they do with their campus pastors and leaders over the last couple of years since you and i had a a podcast conversation together is this uh boomers want to know what's true xers want to know what's real millennials want to know what's good and gen z wants to know what's beautiful hmm. that's really good and it's throwing them all in kind of the same place and it, you know if you're a gen xer like me you might be being like well don't just tell me that that's how i am because as soon as you do then i'm going to redefine myself in some other way because i don't identify with everybody else the same way and you i'm an individual you know so but it's true truth is ultimately it's it's either right or it's wrong for boomers I, but i resonate as a gen xer with is it real is this relationship real yeah. Are you, are you being authentic with me? Because if you're not, I don't got time for that. Same. Yep. Um, millennials are what's the cause and good. And I want to be a part of things that make a difference in people's lives and in the world and, and, and that contribute. And then Gen Zers just, just this multitude of beauty in all yeah. its various forms and relationships and celebrating that. And so maybe what we can do is identify those things and find the common ground there to then bridge the conversation generationally in in connecting some of those some of those dots and i wonder if it's my what i call the back to as the secret sauce of young adult ministry with um with grandparents is it you know when grand 
when I talk to a grandparent age person, they're like, what do I have? I don't, I don't understand young adults. I'm like, do you have grandkids? Yes. I absolutely love my grandkids. I'm like, can you just do that with young adults? Yeah. Yeah. And if they're, if, if somebody is loved, they'll overlook your ignorant comment. Yep. Um, they won't dismiss it, but they won't, they won't condemn you for it. They might judge you a little bit, yeah. but they won't condemn you for it. They won't throw you away for it. Um, but you can bridge conversations in empathy with finding connection points. And I think grandparent boomers to Gen Zers, Gen X or grandparents, maybe that are a little bit older to, to Gen Zers are one of the ways to, to do that. So I know you're running out of time and I want to honor, honor your time here. See, this is what happens to Chris and Jeremy and I, we just get going and then we, um, wow, I'm, I'm skipping. Awesome. I love it. I, I do too. I love talking to you. I wish I didn't have a meeting. <laughs> it, it's all right. Um, one uh, on page 51, it says, if you want meaningful young adult ministry now, join them on their journey. And so if you're reading along in the ebook, there's this really cool um, graphic on their identity, belonging and purpose. And it says questions, young adults quest and young adult ministry across the top there. That's an ebook. I took a picture of this and I'm going to study this a little bit more and think about it. But I think that's another place that you can kind of sink your teeth in in this chapter for practice and application and young adult ministry at whatever level or however many you're engaging with or parents of, of young adults. Yeah, and then I think you keep, you keep talking about listening and this listening through here. I mean, that's where empathy starts is with listening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ministry happens in every compassionate move that we make for the sake of our young adults. And listening is the place that we can do that again and again. And then you mentioned this vignette that you were, I didn't realize that you were a part of help helping to like shape this. I'm thinking about using this at our next young adult lunch on September 10th and just having printouts of it and then going around the table, having people read a line and just go around the table and involve people because that's the thing is getting everybody involved. It's really hard to do it. But if you have a paper out and you, you know, I'm trying to figure out a practical way and then go, okay, as we read this, I want you to hear it and think about it. And then I'd like for you to reflect on it and see if it's something that you you feel like you resonate with or you find some dissonance with and then let's see where the conversation goes i think i might try that I love with our that. our young adult lunch i love that i think that's awesome okay that'd be super powerful that's well good. was there was there anything else in this chapter that you wanted to highlight before we wrap it up i don't think so i think we've covered most of it yeah i i it's it's good stuff I think the book is good stuff. So, but I think we've covered most of it. I find myself taking screenshots of the ebook and it sends me off in creative little paths of, oh, I've really been stuck in this area. What if I tried this over here? What if I had this conversation over there? What if I let go of this one thing and it's just okay that it's the way that it is? Um, I find uh, one of the hardest things for me in young adult ministry is not to default to my programming of creating things for people to be a part of instead of engaging with individual people and receiving that as, as the ministry, as the gift, like the people are the program, but treating them like people, not like programs, not, they are the end. Christ is already working in their lives. We're joining him and what they're doing. So Empathy begins with listening is my major takeaway here of if I do nothing else in young adult ministry, then listen well, probably going to be going in the direction we need to be. I love that. Agreed on that. All right. Sweet. 
Well, thanks for taking a couple of hours with me and spending some time talking about young adult ministry. Um, I'll follow up on the conversations that we had together this morning with some with some more ideas and just appreciate and love you and your family and excited for you. And I'll be praying for you as you guys uh, head over to Africa and visit Ethiopia. Yes, we love you lots too. And we're grateful you're, you're an encourager. So thanks for that. Awesome. Cool. Right. Have a good one, Andrea. All right. Bye. Bye. Until next time, keep going forward. Be present and be teachable. See you.